Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Greetings, Cretans. Uh, it's the Cretan himself, yeah, Mr. John Palmer. <laughs> How you been doing, John? I've been doing well. I've been doing well. I'm still fighting a, a little bit of cough that I picked up while I was in Peru. <laughs> the Peruvian, uh, you know. the Peruvian cough. Peruvian. The Peruvian. Yes. Tr- well, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with the Peruvian trots. What are the? What's the Peruvian <laughs> cough? The Peruvian hack. Well, it's due to the extremely dry air at eleven thousand five hundred feet mm-hmm. in Cusco. Mm-hmm. And uh, you think that's what did it to you? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't the fact that I'm old and overweight. It was the dry air. <laughs> dry air. Blame it yes. on the dry air. <clears throat> yes, yes, doctor. It's the dry air that has done me in. Not uh, not the fact that I've uh, down five cheeseburgers for lunch. No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't have cheese. I, did I, I think I did have a cheeseburger there made from alpaca. Um, <laughs> alpaca cheese. It wasn't like Alcoa, like our, our cheeseburgers in the U.S.? No, no. Um, but alpaca, um, delightful animal. Uh, <laughs> Especially clothes the people and, uh, you know, it's great to take pictures with. <laughs> and for eating as well, but uh, and then the other the other delicacy, uh, well, one of several delicacies I had in Peru was uh, cuy. Um, cuy, yeah, otherwise known as guinea pigs. Ah, they, yes. They like to deep fry those little puppies. Hmm. They're not um, puppies. Well, let's make that clear. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're small. A form They're of rodents. Cooties. Yes. Yes. And yeah, approximately as much meat as uh, two chicken wings, and uh, <laughs> on a larger carcass. That That's you a pretty small cooey. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm familiar yeah. with the larger, uh, you know, American cooey, uh, a little more chubby. <laughs> yeah, these, these run lean, you know. It's uh, apparently the Peruvian cooey is quite lean. Yes, Bevo's when yes. we're talking about cooey. No, it, it's not what you think. We don't do the Adam and Eve spot anymore. It's no more like this. It's, a cooey is a guinea pig. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can send you pictures of a little arm, you know. With little the, arm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's kind of like a chicken wing, but uh, less meat. Well, yeah. I'm sure the arm is is less meat than a chicken wing, but the entire yeah. animal... Got to be more than two. Well, it depends what kind of chicken wings you're talking. Yeah, you're talking. Yeah. You're talking like the wings that our friends at Fatheads. Yeah, that's like a wing. Yeah. That's like like a turkey would be be embarrassed by those wings. <laughs> you know, they'd be like, yeah. "Damn, my wings are small compared to the." You know, they, they get chicken wings that are like a couple of pounds. Yeah, 
Yeah, these aren't. I mean, a, a, the Kui itself probably weighs half a pound, mm-hmm. three quarters. I don't know. A lot of that's so dull. yeah, yeah, on a good day. <laughs> so, so it but, took you know, quite a few Kui's to satisfy Mr. Palmer. Isn't what you're saying? Well, you know, um, you slammed down like was, twenty of those, and they're like, "Man, you just decimated our ranch." Uh, yeah, yeah. There goes the breeding population, you know. But um, no, the, the food the food in Peru is great. I mean, um, very interesting. Cuilicious? Uh Yeah, well, cuisine, you know, um, corn, uh, big staple. And yeah, the I've, corn, I've had corn before. I don't know. Yeah. But I'm familiar the, the, with that here in the U.S. The kernel, the, kern, the, the kernels there are the size of a nickel. I mean, they're huge. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they come in, you know, thousands so of different colors. So the cooies are small, the kernels are big. That's right. Uh-huh. And then there's the potatoes. <laughs> yeah. 3,000 varieties of domestic potato in Peru. <laughs> yeah? Not did kidding. You, yeah. Did you try all 3,000? No, I had like five. Um, <laughs> but uh, those are very good. I mean, uh, the beers are great. Um, uh-huh. Interesting side point uh, to the beer scene. Uh, we were down there to judge the Latin American Cup, um, which is uh, repre- represented um, by a lot of the breweries in the kind of like the upper northwest of South America, um, Peru, Bolivia, the Seattle um, of North yeah, America, Colombia, of North uh, South America. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. You know, it's that that region, Ecuador, uh-huh. and so on. Uh-huh. Um, very mountainous. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and uh, so we'd be, you know, judging, for example, English IPA. and But the level, level of bitterness wasn't there for an IPA. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really more like an ordinary bitter or a special bitter. Mm-hmm. And it comes from the extreme altitude where, you know, they're at, you know, 2,000, 3,000 meters mm-hmm. or, you know, 9,000 feet, 10,000 feet. Mm-hmm. Um the boiling point is dropping off to like 180 degrees Fahrenheit mm-hmm. uh, there, and which really cuts down on your hop ice fermentation mm-hmm. because it's just not hot enough. Um, so, um, well, it slows I, it down. Anything you get up to 180, you're getting isomerization. You just need to boil a little longer. Yeah, like throw in more well, hops. Yeah, it, it, at 180 degrees, you're down to about 17 percent. Uh, time per time of what you get at you uh-huh. know, 212. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, you'd have to boil, you know, five times as long or six times as long to get the same amount of bitterness. Um, or throw in more that, hops. At, at the, yeah. More hops. Exactly. More hops. More hops. More hops, more time. But, you know, as we discussed there, you know, a good way to address that is to go with the pre-isomerized extract mm. for the bulk of your bittering mm. and then you know, save all of your precious hops for the flavoring additions, mm-hmm. where you're not you're not counting on the isomerization so much. You just need to get the. Do oils they have in there. access to pre-isomerized uh, extra? Oh yeah, they do. Um, they're ingredient-wise, they're pretty well serviced. I mean, mm-hmm. they got Wireman, they've got um, uh, what is it? I like being uh, serviced. Steiner, um, yeah, I don't. Wireman, yeah, Steiner hops. Uh, we don't we don't tend to use the pre isomerized here in the U.S. at all. Why is that? 
we um, use we use hop extract the the CO two critical extract, mm-hmm. but it's not pre isomerized. Oh, really? Interesting. Not at all. I'm not oh. even sure. I I guess if I worked at it, I could probably buy some. But it's mm-hmm. not generally available or offered around here. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, must boil um, it. Yeah. But g- great conference down there, mm-hmm. um, and uh, had two days of technical sessions. You know, presentations. Um, I was on the first day when they had uh, a simultaneous translation mm-hmm. for the largely Spanish-speaking audience. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that went really well. You didn't find yourself trying to speak faster and faster to see if you could trip up the uh, <laughs> translator? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with using translators like that, and so I always take pity on them. I would um, just go faster. And and I'd be a real bastard. <laughs> but uh, yeah, fantastic trip. Great Speaking of real there. bastards, how's our friend uh, John Blickman doing at uh, <laughs> Engineering? <laughs> He's reaching new heights, I swear. Yeah. A bastardization? Ah, <laughs> oh, that bastard. Ah, love that bastard. Uh, no. Uh, Looking forward to seeing him in June at the Pokemon. Yes. Uh, I'll tell you, some of the, the best uh, events I've had have been, uh, you know, the... You know, you go to these things like CBC, you go to the Homebrew Conference, you go to GABF, you go to all that stuff... The, the and and there's always some great time you have when you you peel off with your your group of friends and you go off to some place and you have a good time together. Yeah. And some of the fondest in my memory is times with John Blickman because I don't know, he makes a good time better. I think that's why he's able to make your brew day better. You know, yeah. that's just the way his mind works. He's he's always, you know, he's a fun, entertaining, clever guy that's always, you know, looking for a, a, a new angle on doing something. And not just to do it differently, but to do it better. You know, yeah. to take yeah. to take that experience and and increase it by tenfold. And he does that with brewing by making you know these innovative great pieces of gear that nobody ever in their minds had ever conceived of anything close to what what he's done like the beer gun that was revolutionary and you know now people are copying him and you know abusing his patents um but you know the guy rethought the way that you know you filled a bottle and mm-hmm. yeah that's the kind of guy he is, and that's the kind of things they do. That's why it's so amazing that they sponsor the show. They're paying for the show so you don't have to. The very least you could do is send an email to feedback at BlickmanEngineering.com. Tell them how much you appreciate what the guy does. John Blickman's a great thing. guy, and he he's not asking for anything. I'm asking for you to email him and tell him how much you appreciate this, because if it wasn't for him, you'd be paying for this show. Now, maybe you wouldn't be paying for the show, and the show would be off the air. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, John Blickman that keeps us going. So I, I think you should check out uh, all the great stuff they have, BlickmanEngineering.com. 
check them out at the conference. If you're going to the conference, make sure to stop by the booth. Give uh, John Blickman a, a hearty handshake and tell him thank you and uh, appreciate what they do there. All right. Uh, let's do this. Let's take a short break. When we come back, I want to talk uh, water. We got uh, uh, a lot of questions about water recently. And I think, uh, John, uh, you're up. I'm ready. I'm ready. You're, gonna, you're, 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 you're ready? You're fully erect I'm... and ready? <laughs> Fully Sitting upright soluble. in his chair, Bevo. That's what I mean. He's at attention. Right. Come on. He's at attention. He's prepared to go. He says no. No. All right. All right. Let's take <laughs> a short break. Soluble. <laughs> Come back. We will have your water questions right after this. Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high-temperature march pump, and either a top-tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The Brew Easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new brew easy since the first time the brewing network microphones turned on more beer was behind it more beer sponsors the programming on the bn because like you they love brewing and like the brewing network they love sharing their knowledge morebeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order morebeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer go to morebeer.com and click into the learning center you'll find podcasts technical facts video tutorials and more including access to the buzz more beer social network of more than 5,000 members and some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of the buzz the forum the learning center and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest more beer catalog more beer bringing you absolutely everything for beer making hey guys what'll it be i'm not sure what do you recommend a lot of people seem to like the hefeweizen is that a german hefeweizen or more of an american style wheat beer i'm not sure but i can give you a taste Okay, great. great. The Cicerone Certification Program certifies and educates beer professionals in order to elevate the beer experience for consumers. Unfortunately, not every bar is staffed with certified beer servers who can guide their customers through a beer list. Here you go, guys. Let me know what you think of the Hefeweizen. Oh, yeah. That's definitely more of an American meat. But I can hardly tell because this beer just smells like sour butter. I wonder how long it's been since they cleaned the draft lines. Yeah, and look at the bubbles on the side of the glass. It's filthy. Somebody should tell these guys about the Cicerone program. For sure. How about we head somewhere else for another beer? Your server should give beer the same respect you do. Request quality. The Cicerone certification program offers four levels of beer certification, in-person classes, and course books for beer professionals. Check them out at Cicerone.org. The Cicerone Certification Program. We know beer. 
Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Check out their brand new patent-pending mash and boil 110-volt electric mashing and boiling unit. This compact all-stainless unit lets you mash, sparge, and boil just about anywhere that has a 110-volt plug. Double wall construction adds to efficiency and safety, and a precise thermostat keeps temperatures where you want them. Unlike insulated buckets and converted coolers, multiple temperature rest mashing is easy to do all for under 300 bucks they also feature the mark ii work pump a magnetic drive high temperature pump that does the work of pumps that cost twice as much as well as exclusive brewer's edge regulators and quality keg king kegs and disconnects check them out today at williamsbrewing.com to bruise their vast selection back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like Wine guys, brew strong. All right, we're back. Porno Steve, what is our first question about water from our esteemed listeners? All right, this one is about brewing water changes in opinions. (gasps) Different opinions. Opinions. Everybody has one. All right, this is from Scott. He says, I have been extract brewing for three years or so. Mm -hmm. Uh, He feels confident in all stages. He has automated temperature control of fermentation and is obsessive in my sanitation. Mm -hmm. He just wants to stress the points, Jamil, okay? Let him stress the points. That he is the most awesome brewer possible. Exactly. For the past year, I've been reading and learning all about grain brewing and <laughs> brewing water chemistry. Just recently, finally leveled up to three-vessel all-grain system nice. with some bells and whistles. You didn't mention Scott's name, did you? No. no. All right. Well, that's good. No. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, in anticipation of this purchase for the last few weeks, I've been intensively re-studying the water book and listening to the Water Ganza podcast and preparing for my first all-grain brewing session. Mm-hmm. 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 I had a question about RA that I posted to the homebrew talk forum, and all of a sudden I'm getting feedback saying to forget most of what I read in water in the water book because a second edition should be written and called the what and these same people called the water gans almost ancient history. <laughs> Apparently, a lot of opinion has changed in this relatively short time. He's told RA is not as important as it was discussed in uh, the Water Gunza and Water Book. Also, the chloride to sulfate ratio idea is misleading. And apparently, JP and Jay-Z are generally in agreement with this new way of thinking about brewing water. He used to say, I'm now rather confused and don't know how I should proceed learning about this topic. I have read A.J. Delange's Water Primer, which seems to be veer pretty far from a lot of the info I learned from the book and podcast. It also seems too simplistic. Told the primer is more entry level. He's looking for advanced knowledge. He's been studying and playing around with brewing water, which seems to mostly concur with the water book and water gonza. So, what's the deal on how and where should I continue my quest for knowledge of all things related to brewing water? It's a tough question. I'm, I'm going to jump in here first because I will say this: I've always been on the side of not changing water at all or doing very minimal changes. Now, I will say my my brilliant uh, partner, John, has absolutely dug into every last little aspect of how you use water, how you manipulate water to to brew beer. And 
I have encouraged over the over the time um, because of my simplistic nature and my limited mental ability. I've encouraged John to uh, ratchet down the detail and you know the precision and the engineering uh, mindset to you know essentially dumb it down for me, John, to something much more simplistic, <laughs> and perhaps. And John's responded, because I'm saying, hey, people are a little, you know, overwhelmed with, you know, your level of thinking. Uh, You know, dumb it down for me and dumb it down for people. And so perhaps people are reading that as, oh, you know, now the information that's gone before is somehow worthless. Uh, No, I don't think so. I think that... What we've done now is just said, well, all right, here's the basics for you. Because, unfortunately, I think for a lot of people, it's, you know, a very complex subject. Um, And, uh, you know, a lot of people are left scratching their head and so they don't know what to do. So I've asked John to, you know, simplify it for, for the rest of us. And maybe people are reading that into meaning that the previous information is no good. Uh, and now it needs to be, you know, and, and now it's much simpler. So having said that, John, I'll, I'll just turn it over to you and you, you tell me if I'm right or wrong or what. Okay. Uh, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, well, cut out there. <laughs> no, um is you know is 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 the water book and the water ganza ancient history and we should forget all that and you know is ra meaningless and sulfide uh to you know chloride to sulfate ratio uh uh nonsense um um or, no, no, right. um, it's not. Or in have fact, you just been simplifying it for me and 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 the rest of our limited uh, uh, listeners? Yeah, I guess I guess I mean without without sitting down for several hours and reviewing all of our previous discussions on water in the water gans and so on, uh, a good a good way to sum, summarize it as we understand it today is that. Um, the pH of the mash and the wort and the beer is very important. Mm-hmm. Residual alkalinity is your best tool for understanding how your brewing water is going to f- affect those pHs. Mm-hmm. And then once you've got that dialed in, uh, you can take a look at your beer style and look at the sulfate to chloride ratio mm-hmm. or Actually, in reality, the actual sulfate and chloride levels in the water, mm-hmm. um, and look at those—you know, sulfate, drier, hoppier, mm-hmm. um, chloride, maltier, rounder, sweeter—and um, look at those levels as your seasoning for your beer. I would I would say a couple of things. I would say mm-hmm. um, when you say hoppier, sulfite hoppier. This I have a problem with that because okay. yep, yep. too many people imagine that to mean um, more hop aroma and flavor when uh, what it really means is is more sharply bitter. Yes. 
So, um, and then um, uh, as far as residual alkalinity, I would say, well, yes. So that is the guidance on pH. But for the 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 brain limited like myself. I add my acid or my mineral adjustment, and then whatever the pH turns out to be, that's what it turns out to be. Or I'll add a little bit more, and I'll get to the pH I want to get to. And right. I think that the thing that is confusing people, or you know, like our uh, listener who's written in, is tying it back to RA. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that's what's really happening behind the scenes, right? And then you know, I think I think what he's hearing is, oh, ignore that because all it is is whatever pH you get to, you know, adds mass and get uh-huh. to the pH, and right. and you know, rightfully so. You're talking about, well, here's really what's happening is you are com- combating the residual alkalinity, um, mm-hmm. you know, and the buffering of the mash and all that to get to the pH you want. Here's you know, and I think people are. You know, people are somehow confused by that. Yeah, I Maybe. guess that's that's a very good distinction to make. Is that um, pH is the end goal in mm-hmm. terms of you know mm-hmm. dialing that in? You know, somewhere between five right. two and five six, depending on your beer style um, and the mash. And then as you go through the brewing process, your final beer pH will be somewhere between mm-hmm. 4 and 4.4, 4.5. And that beer pH affects how those beer flavors are expressed to your palate. Mm-hmm. The more acidic mm-hmm. it is, lower, closer to 4, those flavors are going to be sharper. In a pale beer, that makes the malt character uh, a little brighter, a little you know more defined. Um, in a dark beer, uh, a higher pH, closer to 4.4, 4.5, 4.6, um, helps open up those malt flavors, makes them a little rounder, and helps um, it helps you perceive complexity. You know, in a in a beer that has you know three or five different malts in it. Hmm. Um, so um, again, RA is a tool mm-hmm. to help mm-hmm. you um, understand how your brewing water is going to f- affect these pHs. Mm-hmm. The other half of the pH equation, of course, is your grain bill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Base malts are generally alkaline. They need Their pH needs to lower to get to your targets, you know, like I said, 5.2 to 5.6. Um, dark malts, roast malts, caramel malts, etc. cetera, the, the specialty malts are generally more acidic than your pH target. And so you can, you can use those to um, lower the acidity of the mash. And so... You have base malt alkalinity, dark malt acidity, and then your residual alkalinity of your water, which can be either positive or negative. Mm -hmm. If it's positive, it's going to raise pH. If it's negative, it's going to lower pH relative to your grain bill. So those are the factors that are coming together for pH. And that's why we talk about residual alkalinity because it's your water factor. It Mm -hmm. helps you understand how your water is going to affect your mash and your beer. Right. No, I, I, I think that 
you know, the interesting thing is, you know, we have changed how we've talked about this over over time. Yes. And, yes. and you know, the information is still, <laughs> the information spoke about earlier is correct. It's just that we're trying to simplify it and make it easier and more accessible, which is what right. we're, we're doing here. Um, so you can listen to a podcast and understand it. And, you know, be able to apply it to what you're doing. And that's why we do what we do. And so if it seems like we're changing, you know, our belief and how water works, um, not true. It's because we're trying to make it more accessible. And so at some point, maybe it seems like we're ignoring some parts of it. We're trying to focus you on the most important parts of of what it is how water interacts with your brew right so, right yeah there you go all yeah, right the, the emphasis change has changed as we as we get feedback from listeners mm-hmm. uh, talk to people at conferences right, on you know, right. what what they are having trouble with understanding that's you know so yes well, and I'll tell you this, uh, you know, if you are truly interested in water, I think one of the, the, the greatest tools is being able to check your existing water. It's yes. actually cheaper to check your existing water and adjust it appropriately than it is to go out and buy distilled water all the time for brewing or RO or anything like that. Um, I would say embrace your local water. This is what, you know, the great brewing places of the world have done is embrace their local water. And the, the best way to embrace it is get yourself a Lamotte test kit. They have a, a range of test kits that range from $125 for the basic test kit up to $799 for the pro kit that includes a, a great pH meter and dissolved oxygen meter. And it's easy. Mm-hmm. Within 15 minutes, less time than it takes you to package up water and send it off to a lab, you can have your own results in-house immediately. And you'll know at that point what change to make to your brew water. It's an accuracy, plus or minus 10 ppm, which is plenty for, uh, you know, doing doing your brew water. That's going to get you right in there. You're going to get 50 or more tests per kit. And especially if you go with the Pro Kit, you get even more uh, tests than that. It is uh, a great kit that you can get through uh, the Lamont website or Lamont.com. Or you can get it uh, at, at any fine retailer such as morebeer.com. They can, they can help you out with that. It's the kit that we use at Heretic when we're checking our, uh, our water to make... Uh, you know, GABF and World Beer Cup medal-winning beers. Well, the way we do our water is we have our Lamotte test kit, and we make uh, adjustments based off of uh, you know uh, John and uh, and uh, Colin's uh, water book, and uh, that's how we do it. So, mm-hmm. if you're interested, get yourself a Lamotte kit, get yourself a copy of the water book, and uh, go have at it and have fun. Or listen to these shows, and we'll, we'll tell you how to do it here on the shows as well. Yeah. All right, let's take a short break. When we come back, uh, more of your questions about water right after this. Mm-hmm. 
If you work in retail sales, the restaurant industry, or are a new craft beer enthusiast, or you know someone who is, you have got to check out Beer 101. Beer 101 is an online course created for anyone wanting a quick introduction to the vast world of craft beer. Beer 101 covers the history of beer, brewing ingredients and processes, vital stats like ABV, SRM, IBU and gravity, styles, tasting, glassware, and pairing beer with food. The Beer 101 course is offered by the Brewers Association at craftbeer.com, also home to the truly awesome Beer Style Finder, a visual guide to every beer style. Quickly play with color, bitterness, and alcohol content to interactively explore the entire world of beer styles with a gorgeously designed interface to your favorite beverage. The new Beer 101 course and new Beer Style Finder are only available at craftbeer.com. Craftbeer.com, celebrating the best of American beer. BN Army, have you heard the latest at HopTech? Since HopTech has doubled in size after a huge expansion, Jade and Roberto can stock even more of the best quality homebrewing supplies and equipment. Over 60 kick-ass varieties of hops and malts, monster truckloads of quality brewer's yeast, including white labs, Y yeast, and multiple dry yeasts. They even have all grain systems from Grain Fathers and Ruby Street Brew Systems, thanks to Jade, the brand new all-grain brewer. And don't forget about their 10% discount to all BN Army members. Jade and Roberto are waiting for you and all of your brewing questions over at HopTech.com. HopTech, totally not sucking since 1983. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanisha, and I want to tell you about Heretic Evil Twin. You might be familiar with my homebrew recipe, which uses massive late hopping to create a balance between the malty sweet and the hoppy bitter, along with an outrageous malt and hop character. I wanted a beer with the same bold hop and malt character, so we played around with the homebrew recipe until we were able to make a great commercial version, too. We've created a beer rich in malt character, full of caramel, toast, biscuit, and an ever-so-subtle roast note. On top of that, we piled in an insane amount of citra and Columbus hops at the end of the boil, as well as in dry hopping. This damn-the-cost approach to hopping gives Heretic's Evil Twin a great blast of citrus and tropical fruit that can't be matched by any other hop. The result is a bold, malty, hoppy, but easy-drinking beer. This is our top seller, our flagship beer, and I couldn't be prouder of it. Cheers. To find Heretic Beers near you, click on Find Some at hereticbrewing.com. First Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch Do out! Do you still like to have a good time? The 21st Amendment. Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can. Featuring... Monk's Blood. Made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of... Monk's Blood. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. 
Suck it, JP. Are you a member of the White Labs Customer Club? If not, you should be. It's the easiest way to earn free stuff for turning in your old homebrew labels from either vials or pure pitch. All you have to do is save your labels and redeem them for things like free yeast, an exclusive White Labs t-shirt or sweatshirt, and even the opportunity to brew with the yeast man himself, Chris White. Signing up is easy. Just go to whitelabs.com slash customer club, fill out the registration form, and then mail in your labels. They will return the favor by sending you awesome White Labs swag. Go sign up today at whitelabs.com slash customer club. White Labs, pure yeast and fermentation since 1995. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. And uh, 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 I would I would say this. Um, if you have not registered for the Homebrew Con, this is the time to do it. It yep. is the homebrew event of the year. You are going to see both John and myself there packing a lot of fun and learning into three unforgettable days. June 15th through 17th, you're going to join thousands, literally thousands of your homebrew comrades in downtown Minneapolis. Uh, You can still get early pricing, I believe, but it's not for much longer, and then the conference is going to sell out. Definitely all the hotels and all that stuff. If you only go to one event in your life that is beer-related, it has to be this. Trust me on this. This is the one you want to go to. Don't go to GABF. Don't go to Oktoberfest. Don't go to any other freaking thing you've ever heard of where you line up and do all that bullshit. Go to the Homebrew Conference. It is the best event beer related for a brewer in the world and you can sign up at homebrewcon.org check it out i give you my word you will not be disappointed well you could be a douchebag and then you'll be disappointed but (laughs) if you are a home brewer and you love homebrew you are just going to be beside yourself with joy at having gone to the conference all right. Uh, what's our next question there, uh, Porno Steve? All right. This one is about um, water additions. Speaking about embracing your your water wet side, your wet side, your wet side. All right. This one. Okay. So uh, he is new to building a water profile. Uh, he got a city water report and went to easywatercalculator.com and messed around with some additions. Uh, first thing he noticed is that he's been mashing in. At around 5.7 pH. He was going to use lactic acid to get to around 5.2. He brews every style of beer he can, but he keeps an IPA and a stout porter on all times. So when he says he notices that he's been mashing at 5.7, is it he's calculating that it would be 5.7 or he's actually measured it? Or he's actually, yeah. God damn it, you got to measure it. Mm-hmm. Don't trust any of the calculators. Good point. Screw the calculators. So he wants you to look at his water profile and make suggestions for adding additions that will make his stouts more malty and his IPAs quote-unquote pop. Okay. So pH (laughs) is 8. 
You have calcium at 1.8 parts per million. Uh, magnesium, 0.69 parts per million. Uh, salt, 3.7 parts per million. Uh, SO4, 0.43 parts per million. Uh, chloride, 3.07 parts per million. Uh, HCO3 is at 8.8 parts per million. CaCO3 is at 7.3 parts per million. Uh, total dissolved solids averages 24 over 12 months, and he lives in Aloha, Oregon. So okay. pretty much not zero. There's <laughs> nothing in the water. Yeah. That is that is very clean, clean water. water. Yeah. Very light water. Yeah. It's, it's, it's watery it's, as water comes, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, any time you're less than 10 across the board like that, 10 ppm, mm-hmm. you have essentially distilled water. Oh. Wow. Um, and so where does he go with this to make his uh, stouts more malty and his IPAs pop? Well, um, <clears throat> again, as Jamil said, measure your mash pH. Don't trust the water calculator. I mean, those are good estimates and helps you understand the direction understand the direction you're moving, but um, it doesn't, you know, you have to actually measure it. Uh, so for a stout, <coughs> you've got a lot of malts in the grain bill, um, a lot of roasted malts, which are going to drive <clears throat> the pH down. You're probably going to want to add some alkalinity, some uh, carbonate, uh, that's the HCO3, um, to the water, such as, uh, say, using baking soda, uh, adding a bit there, build up that uh, carbonate level to um, build up the the residual alkalinity. Um, General brewing water, you want at least 50 ppm of calcium, if not 100 so, you for to make a stout with this water, which, I, like I said, is essentially distilled water, you're going to want to add um, calcium chloride. The chloride will help to make, make the beer taste a little maltier. Um, you're going to want to add some sodium bicarbonate. That will bring up the alkalinity. And uh, use easy water or another any other uh, water calculator to help you understand uh, what levels you're adding. Um, alkalinity, I would recommend um, somewhere between 75 and 100 uh, ppm. You could take it up as high as 150 uh, total alkalinity, but that would be pushing it. Uh, somewhere around 100 ppm total alkalinity um, is better. To make an IPA pop more, um, you're going to be wanting to use gypsum uh, for the calcium addition as opposed to Calcium chloride, calcium sulfate, gypsum. The sulfate is going to uh, increase the uh, bitterness of the hops. The way they actually, what it does is it's a seasoning. It changes the way they're expressed to your palate. Sulfate makes that bitterness a little more aggressive and drier um, compared to a water with low sulfate, where that bitterness would be a little more lingering. Um, and be a little slower to hit your palate. Um, so calcium sulfate, again, uh, for an IPA, you're looking around 100 ppm target for calcium, um, probably 
100 to 200 ppm uh, for your sulfate. You could also add Epsom salts, magnesium sulfate, to help boost that sulfate uh, number. Um, you don't want to exceed, say, 15, 20 ppm on your magnesium for a, for an IPA. Um, and you don't need to worry as much about adding uh, carbonate to an IPA. It's a paler beer. You don't need as much residual alkalinity. In fact, you really want a negative residual alkalinity to help uh, bring that beer pH down without adding dark specialty malts. So, again, look at your water calculators. Look at Chapter 7 in the water book. Um, I give guidelines there for um, mineral levels for different beer styles. The new edition... <coughs> excuse me. The new edition of How to Brew, which comes out in June of 2017, uh, is also contains uh, guidelines on uh, mineral levels for styles. So you can look for that or look for the, the water book that's out there now. All right. Uh, good answer, John. Uh, what's the next question there, Porno Steve? All right. This one is also about water. Wow. <laughs> it's a water show. It's, uh, all right. Let's see. This guy, carbon filtered his water two weeks in advance. Uh, he pH corrected it three days before the brew. He noticed a fish-like smell in the well water. He has not smelt before he mixed all the water. Will this negatively impact my English bitter? Should I dump and gather non-stagnant water? What's going on with his water? Uh, that's a good question. Um, <clears throat> pH corrected three days before brew. I have no idea what he means there. So um, maybe added acid or something. Yeah, but... The fish-like smell. Where have your fingers been? That's what I want yeah. to know. <laughs> um, Wash that, your hands. Yeah. Uh, fish-like smell, though, and then you know, pond-like smell. That, that kind of indicates... Pond-like, yes. Yeah. Bevo. Uh, uh. Organic. Uh, material in the water, they, which the carbon filter should have taken care of. Right, right, right. Um, I would wonder, so here's here's my thought. I wonder if, like, uh, the carbon filter, you know, sitting in the sun, maybe getting a little, growing a little algae. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, because a lot of times people will equate algae odor, aroma, you know, pond-like with fish-like. Right. I think John and I have come on to something here. I think we, hmm. we've cracked the code, and uh, it may be that the, the, the filter, you know, the carbon filter is, is built up like an algae, especially if it's a clear filter. You leave it sitting out in the sun. Those things will go green on you pretty fast. Yeah. That's the problem with the carbon filter is they, um, they can actually grow bacteria mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. inside them. So. You may, you may want to look at looking to uh, replacing that carbon filter. Right, but um, I'd, I'd say in general, John, uh, you know, if your water doesn't smell good or taste good, uh, don't use it for brewing. Right, right. Yeah, very often it means it's high in nitrates or other organic compounds that you know can affect the flavor of the beer. Mm -hmm. In general, I also want to mention to people that. <coughs> No, pH correcting the water is usually not necessary. You you 
you add acid to water to do specific things. Um, lower the residual alkalinity if you're going to brew a pale beer. Um, but uh, just because your water is a pH of 8.5 doesn't mean you need to acid adjust it down to a pH of 5 before you brew. Um, the previous question, the guy from Oregon, I mean, he had a pH of 8 with damn near distilled water. And that's the thing about water pH. Water pH is measuring, you know, the electrochemical potential of the water, kind of the rate, the balance of cations to anions. Um, it's it's the actual level of those ions that matter to the mash pH. Well, it's the mash pH right. we're most interested in, not the water pH. Well, and I'll say this, though. Um, uh, you know, the, the reality for most people is that they're – Residual alkalinity is pretty high, yeah. right? And you know, people were adding the the their acid adjusting their water. The amount of acid that it takes to knock the pH down is going to vary based on the amount of residual alkalinity. So um, they're doing it, and they'll say they'll acid adjust, but. Um, it, it is tied with the residual alkalinity, and yeah. they are kind of pre-knocking that down before it gets to the mash, uh, which is what I did as a home brewer, yeah. and uh, which ensured a proper mash pH. Um, yeah. But you got to measure it, you know. Sure, you sure, gotta, sure. Right, right. Gotta, yeah, um, uh, yeah. If you're not measuring it, then then all bets are off. But um, so I think it, it, it almost takes into account the residual alkalinity when people say well i i acid adjusted my my water to ph you know five whatever um that Mm -hmm. takes into account the fact that either used a ton of acid to knock down you know high residual alkalinity or they used a tiny bit of acid to knock down the residual alkalinity it's almost encompassed in the fact that they got it to this proper ph yeah that's true that's true. Um, and well, and it, it ties back to the very first question of uh, you know the guy saying, "Well, you know, you guys are now talking about RA or not?" It's like, well, it's all interrelated. You know, yes. pH and RA are interrelated. The amount of treatment you do is going to vary based on you know the water you're starting with, but you know the end point that you're trying to get to is about the same. It's just going to take different different amounts to get there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, let's do this. Let's talk about uh, uh, great fermentations. Um, one of the coolest giveaways happening this year is great fermentations going to give you a Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System and fifteen years of. Uh, ingredients to brew beer on that thing wow it's worth that's a lot of ingredients like over ten thousand dollars it's a huge prize they're gonna give it away it's gonna be announced on uh, june 17th saturday june 17th at uh, i guess at the homebrew conference and all you gotta do is go over to greatfermentations.com slash giveaway and enter yourself for this incredible prize. 
plus they're giving away a bunch of ever the other really cool stuff every two weeks they're giving away like things like uh conical fermenters temperature controllers blickman uh riptide brew pumps and a lot more stuff i think this is pretty awesome it's from the awesome people that give you great customer service same day shipping on most items greatfermentations.com check them out Go to greatfermentations.com slash giveaway and sign up. Get yourself $10,000 worth of uh, <laughs> equipment and ingredients. I don't know what is better about 2017 than that, but go check it out. All right, let's take one more break. And when we come back, we will have more of your questions about water right after this. Brewing Great Beer is a process of continuous learning, and the best books on every aspect of brewing can be found at Brewers Publications, with more than 50 awesome titles like Modern Homebrew Recipes by Gordon Strong, Designing Great Beers, The Ultimate Guide to Brewing Classic Beer Styles by Ray Daniels, American Sour Beers, Innovative Techniques for Mixed Fermentations by Michael Tonsmeyer, For the Love of Hops, The Practical Guide to Aroma, Bitterness, and the Culture of Hops by Stan Hieronymus and Radical Brewing Recipes, Tales, and World Altering Meditations in a Glass by Randy Mosher, plus many, many more. These are the books and the authors with the knowledge to push your brewing farther than you thought possible. And you'll find them all at fine homebrew and book retailers everywhere. And visit the website at BrewersPublications.com. Brewers Publications, all the best on beer and brewing. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support, like Brew Your Own Magazine. You already know it's a great brewing magazine full of recipes, equipment how-tos, discussions of beer styles, and brewing techniques. Whether you're new to brewing and just starting out or you're an old pro, you'll always learn something from the articles in Brew Your Own. Plus, they're amazing special issues like plans for building a brew. 10 system, 250 classic clone recipes, and the Home Brewer's Answer Book. Brew Your Own Magazine and BYO.com are awesome resources for any brewer, whether for yourself or as a gift. When you subscribe or resubscribe from the Brewing Network homepage, you directly support programs like this. Get a great magazine and support the Brewing Network. Subscribe to Brew Your Own right from the BrewingNetwork.com. to brew has never been so disgusting this is brew strong all right we're back i want to tell you guys about the craft of brew uh folks have released an awesomely compact conical fermenter called the catalyst it's made from plastic but hey Without the plastic problems, it is over 90% more scratch-resistant than any other plastic conical out there, and 71% less oxygen permeable. The compact stand is going to make sure this thing fits in your brew fridge or on your counter, and it's lightweight. doesn't have all the problems of working with steel. Cleaning's a breeze because the entire lid pops off. You can 
jam your giant monkey arms down in there and scrub away to your heart's content and get those crusties off there. And perhaps the best part is that there's a three-inch butterfly valve on this thing. You I've always been in. an advocate of three inches. <laughs> well, yeah, anytime you can double up, John. Uh, yeah, yeah. You can screw just about any mason jar on there and uh, dump your, your yeast into there for, for harvesting for another batch or, uh, you know, dump in your troop. All very easy with the Catalyst uh, Conical Fermenter. Uh, so check them out. Learn more at craftabrew.com. All right. Two more quick ones here, John, and then we're wrapping up. We're, we're out of here. Okay. All right. I am an extract brewer with a boil kettle that is too small for a full warp boil. The first thing I do on a brew day is boil several gallons of water in a separate kettle and cool it down so I can add it to my fermenter along with the wort to bring the batch up to a full five gallons. After I boil and cool the water like this, I see a very thin but visible layer of white sediment on the bottom of the kettle. I'm using nice, clean, unpolluted rural Wisconsin well water. Any idea what this sediment might be and should I be worried about it? Well, it is calcium carbonate. And um, <clears throat> boiling and uh, cooling is, uh, is known as decarbonation. It was a very common technique a couple hundred years ago for lowering the residual alkalinity of the brewing water um, like that. Um, it's, you know, depending on what kind of style of beer he's brewing, if he's brewing pale ales or if he's brewing dark beers, um, you know, it's, it's a good thing or not quite so good thing. Uh, depends on, you know, what what uh, mineral levels are in the water when he starts out. Um, there are equations <clears throat> in the water book and as well at uh, like uh, uh, brewing water from Martin Brungard, his spreadsheet, that will, you know, help you calculate uh, what the uh, final mineral content of the water is after boi- boiling like that. Um, but again, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's simply calcium carbonate chalk. Um, you've lowered the residual alkalinity of the water, uh, whether you want to, um, you know, decant off and use that water as is, or put that calcium carbonate back in is kind of depends on the style of beer you're brewing with it. But should be fine. Not really yeah. a problem. Definitely not going to yeah. hurt your beer. Nope. There you go. All right. Final question. This question is, is distilled water sanitized? I'm planning to brew an all-extract partial boil batch of beer using distilled water just to see how it compares with the beer I've made using my tap water. Should I boil the distilled water I add to the fermenter to bring it up to full volume after boiling the wort? Or am I safe to assume distilled water from a sealed container is sanitary? Hmm. It should be sanitary. Generally, things yeah. won't survive the osmotic pressure of being in distilled water. However, I've seen containers of distilled water on a shelf in a store that was exposed to sunlight turn green. Yeah. So um, things like algae can survive in there, but... There's probably no bacteria surviving in the distilled water. I mean, it could be. I mean, you think about it, Pasteur stored uh, yeast in distilled water. He 
took distilled water, put some a few yeast cells in there, and like 50 years later, the, the yeast were still alive. So, you know, things can live in distilled water. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you're if you're buying it in a sealed container from a reputable source, you know, like Arrowhead or what have you, probably okay. Um, but if it's been months on the shelf, or if you're buying it from you know, the machine out in front of the store that sits in the sun and they come by with a hose every once in a while and fill it up. Yeah, I don't know. You may probably want to boil that. I mean, there's really nothing for it to consume to, you know, increase the, the level of contamination. Right, but I, right. I, I don't think it ensures that there is no contamination. Right. But and, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry. John's oh. dying. This is the last show for John. I don't know if you all knew John will be dead before the next uh, show's air. So uh, uh, yes. this is what happened when you drink, you know, certain distilled water. Right, been sitting or on the shelf bre- for a while. breathing Peruvian air. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's a Peruvian guinea pigs that he slammed down like chicken wings. <laughs> That's prob- the got, got a couple the of couple of undercooked uh, Peruvian guinea pigs. Ah. <laughs> uh. But, yeah, I mean, uh, contamination, and we're talking about beer spoilers. There really shouldn't be much to worry about in terms of beer spoilage, you know, from distilled water. Mm-hmm. So boil it, don't boil it, but check your beer afterwards. There you go. All right. Another great show. Thank you, uh, my friend John. You're very uh, welcome. Thanks to our great sponsors, especially Blickman yeah. uh, Engineering. Uh, check them out, BlickmanEngineering.com. Innovating your brew day. Lots of great stuff going on there. And you can easily email them at feedback at BlickmanEngineering.com and tell John Blickman how much you appreciate that they have paid for the show for like the last 10 freaking years and you haven't yeah. had to pay a penny. So I would... Uh, I think that, you know, that's the least you could do. And if you see him at the conference in Minnesota, uh, go up and shake his hand and tell him how much you appreciate that uh, he does this show. Because without that, uh, I think nobody's paying for the show. I think it would be all over. I don't think Porno Steve's going to pay for the show. You're not going to use those big porn residuals to, to pay for the show? It's It's been very tough this year. It's been tough. Yeah, yeah it's been. It's been hard this year is what you're saying? Rather, it, it, has, it has been it not has, hard. It hasn't been hard this year? <laughs> it hasn't been hard this year. <laughs> well, if you want it to be hard, I would check out the brewingnetwork.com slash store. You can get all sorts of goodies in there, including, uh, you know, all sorts of sex toys. You can get, uh, you know, T-shirts. Get headphones. Get uh, small fish, small Socks. fish, dogs, guinea pigs, guinea pigs, Peruvian guinea pigs. Uh, don't eat the fur; it apparently makes you cough. Distilled water, distilled water, all sorts of goodies in there, and it all goes to the bottom line of the Brewing Network. Keep shows like this on the air. Until then, everybody, Bruce Strong. Bruce Strong, everyone. Mm-hmm.